nothing. I've just uh, <clears throat> I've just considerably cut back. So I tend to I tend to not eat anything till lunchtime. Mm-hmm. So I'm skip, 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 yeah. being, skipping breakfast. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was like a big bowl of porridge typically. Yeah, and yeah. that's just pure. Like this guy, this fitness guy was saying to me. So what you what you what you have, I have I said I have porridge before I go to the gym. He said why'd you do that? I said well to give me energy. He said no, no, you don't need that. Yeah, exercise before you eat. That's definitely what you got to do. Um, so you, yes. you meant to activate the body fat in order. That's the energy. So, so, so don't eat before uh, workout. Exactly. That's for sure. What I hadn't appreciated is carbohydrates. <clears throat> um, carbohydrates um, soak up vast amounts of water, adding a lot of weight and bloat to your body. Yep, I can believe like, that. You can have that. You can have two hundred calories of smoked salmon. Or 200 calories of like a couple of pieces of toast and a couple of people pieces of toast is going to make you fat and the smoked salmon is just not even though the calories is the same calories That's is irrelevant right. yeah. you know yeah. calories is yeah. utterly irrelevant it's pretty pro- protein boiled eggs mate boiled eggs are the best thing for basically keeping lean and staying full because you can't eat you can't eat three boiled eggs right you cannot eat three bo- boiled eggs in a row it's like you just can't do it stomach yeah. is, you can't but two of them, you can eat that. You will not put on weight. I'll sort you out for like six hours. No worries. That's the food you got to eat. Yeah. So, um, and anything that anything that disintegrates in inside your digestive system fast is likely to just you're going to be hungry quite quickly later. So things like toast and cake and stuff like that is just yeah. Like- well, this is the, one of the philosophies behind why processed foods are really bad because. Uh, and not only does it, it does it contain adulterants, um, which you know sugars and stuff like that. That is that's obviously going to be bad for you, preservatives and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But also because it's being milled, um, so that you're not doing that much work to digest it. Um, so you yeah. usually have to chew things down. You have to grind down all this type of stuff. Once it's in your stomach, the stomach has got to work to digest. But if you stripped it all back and you just turn it into literal micro, like little flour effectively it just goes straight in it absorbs straight in so that's why you know when you're eating things like um rice for instance the reason why brown rice is better quote unquote than white rice is because brown rice is harder to digest it's simply got a husk on it um it's still it's still got very limited nutritional value and you probably don't need it i mean you can cut out you can cut out Rice, rice, bread, pasta, stuff like that, without having almost any impact on anything. Yeah, that's true enough. But at the same time, at the same time, um, hang on, I've just got to sort Andy Foot out. Who? Uh, who it's who the the it's it's when sugar sugar goes into your bloodstream and turns into glucose. That's the bit that's like you know, yeah, makes it's you hungry. Difficult. Yeah, put some weight, and it's no good as you get older. Chris and... says we're making him hungry. <laughs> Great apologies, sorry. guys. I'm, I'm re- really sorry, everybody. But as you get older, as Adam and I are, you've got to you got to think about this more. Like you can't rely on your 25 year old metabolism to get you out of trouble. Um, you basically need to be in situations where you think about what you're putting into your body at all times. Um, so yeah, send us your like dietary tips, folks. Like how do we stay Fit, healthy, lean and mean, ready for action, you know, yet not like just ch- chowing down on, on sawdust all the time. That's no good. Um, well, anyway, listen. Charlotte said, Charlotte said, 
you'd be so sad without those things and carbs are life. I, I've lost 20 pounds in six weeks by not cutting out anything. I've just cut down considerably. I've, I eat, I've eaten, if I don't need, if I don't you know, like rice, bread, pasta, stuff like that, I'm getting so, so much less sugar. And, and I still had a piece of cake last night. But yeah, it's just can, a lot less. That's all. A portion control, another thing, is massive. Like if you if you if you're literally going out all the time, you just typically have a big meal. Um, but if you just control what you cook and eat, and if you just you know if you're full, just stop eating. That's like one of the basic things you should do, rather than think just oh I've got to pile through it. No, put it in Tupperware, stick it in the fridge, have it for lunch. Um, you know, you'd be all good. Daniela, quite right. 30 minutes yeah. a day walk, that'll do you do do you in as well. Yeah, that, um, no, that, it, that is good. But the older the older you get, definitely the more diet is. I mean, I, I, I've not changed anything about I've, I've always done loads of exercise, but I was 16 stone two, which Americans yeah. won't understand what that means. But like, I was really Fact. pretty heavy, like yeah. six weeks ago. Yeah. You can, you can feel it in your body anyway. It's not, don't need to weigh yourself. You feel yourself getting slower and doing like stupid things like can't get out of bed properly and all this type of BS. So, anyway, listen, right, we'll, 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 we'll do a diet show at some point, folks. How about that? Um, but welcome to Brain Food Live on Air. It's episode 167, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. It's a blazing hot, uh, sunny afternoon in London. We're again in the middle of a mini heat wave. I think it's about 35 degrees out there. So, I've got the windows open. Uh, which does mean like sound control is going to be pretty bad in this episode. I do beg your pardon. If you hear action on the street, uh, I live in a quite a, quite a lively street, um, then I do apologize in advance. But uh, it's way too hot to have uh, shut windows today. Um, okay, listen, just a quick sound check because we're doing something different today. Uh, folks on, on Crowdcast, if you can hear me okay, please let me know on the chat stream whether that's okay. We are actually live streaming onto a different LinkedIn page today. So no longer is it going through my personal profile. I have experimented with a LinkedIn event via the Recruiting Brain Food Company page. Um, and the reason why I want to do that is simply to just try it because it looks like you can set up events there and potentially you can invite people there as well. So I want the people who are watching this, I don't think there's going to be many because there's only like 89 people who have signed up to the, the company pay, to the company event. Uh, but if you are watching it there, let me know if you can see me and hear me okay because that's actually really thrilling for me to figure out. I rarely experiment because these are the kinds of things that are, you know, don't, don't if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but I thought I'd give it a shot this one time because I think you know LinkedIn events might be something I need to keep an eye on. Um, so anyway, let me know uh, whether you can hear and see me okay on LinkedIn events. Oh, sounds fine. Thank you very much, Rachel. Appreciate it. Um, and Deborah, yeah, good to know that uh, it's very hot in Chichester as well. Okay, we've got some people watching it. Looks like a similar number of people than usual uh, than normal. So maybe we we keep it piped that way. Okay, let's uh, get on with the show. Um, firstly, a big shout out to our sponsors. Remember, folks, we cannot do this show without our sponsors. Uh, they support this show every week. Uh, today's sponsors are our good friends at ScreenLoop, ScreenLoop.com. If you are not using any kind of interview intelligence software, you should check out ScreenLoop. Um, uh, they do much more than do that. They do reference checking. They do um, coordination. They do interview workflow. They do all of that stuff. But I think the most interesting thing that they started with is still their core product, which is basically recording people's interviews and then doing analysis on it. In other words, telling you who is speaking, how long are they speaking for? Um, is there anything you need to look out for in terms of whether there's variance in, in terms of how interviewers behave, different types of ca candidates? 
it's going to be one of those tools which I think most organizations will look at and think we need to put it into our system in order to de-bias our recruiting. Um, it is uh, a new category of, uh, of of HR tech, which I'm really bullish about. Um, interview analytics, interview intelligence, call it what you will. But check out Screen Loop if you haven't already done so, um, because they are uh, one of the leading players in the game. Um, Screenloop.com. I'm just going to share it in the chat stream. There we go. Um, I hope that helps. Oh, shit. Shared the wrong thing there. Sorry. You know what? One of these days, I'm going to share absolutely the wrong link. Um, and it's going to cause me some problems. Um, <laughs> be, you know what I mean? Tind- your Tinder profile. The, the, no, but it, we all, all sorts of stuff that, you know, uh, it's a little bit for your eyes only sometimes. And it's like, oh, yeah, just randomly <laughs> flick it out. Uh, oh, shit. But anyway, that's that's what it is. Check it. Um, all right, Adam, um, let's get on with it. How did, did you read the newsletter last week? And if so, what was interesting, man? Yep, I did. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is Kevin Wheeler's um, blog about overcoming talent shortages. Um, it's getting worse. It's getting. It's going to get worse, of course. Aging population, all that sort of stuff. So um, the first thing that he said was education. You know, better education, better training people. You know, building the workforce of the future. That is like the number one most important thing. However, that on its own is not going to solve it. So he pointed out, of course, things like automation, uh, much, much flatter corporate structures. He said that there is the days of like big behemoth businesses with like 20 layers of management. There's going to be very few of those in the future. Um. And so, you know, pointed out some very practical things, nothing mind-blowing in it, but a useful reminder of what we're going to need to focus on. And for the earlier you are in your career in recruitment, I think the more beneficial keeping in touch with what Kevin's saying is going to be for you because you've got a longer career ahead of you. And he finished by saying the role of the recruiter as we know it today is not really going to exist in the future. And I completely agree with that. Specialist aspects of what we do today are going to be in more demand than ever, such as talent intelligence, helping the organization understand how to structure, where to structure, where to find the people, where the skills are and and what needs to be homegrown and and what needs to be outsourced, et cetera. Um, The other one for me is experience design. We need a constant review which only humans can do around what is the best ways to engage and bring people into our organizations and of course as standards change they're going to need to change for the experience design for like nurture and you know application process recruitment process onboarding and all that kind of thing as well and then yeah. um the other one will be like the job of robot managers so There's a lot of them in RPOs and in the very biggest organizations, we already have them as well. People who are focused on what's the right tech to make us more productive and successful. So Ross's question, who will replace the recruiter? And in my opinion, you should always be hiring even when you're not. That is 100% correct, but it doesn't need humans to do it. It needs humans to set up the right environment for people to come into your organization and not to be going and individually finding them, reaching out to them, 
and interviewing them. Yeah, I think that's probably correct. Folks, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Um, Kevin is put together, uh, I mean, he's quite bearish on the future of recruitment, really. Um, but I think he's an optimist in the same in at the same time, because he is kind of trying to uh, show us an alternative path uh, that recruiters can take. Um, but I think it's well worth reading his his post. I've shared it in the chat stream. Uh, I'm aligned a little bit um, with uh, what uh, a lot of uh, him and Adam uh, typically say. Um, what I particularly like about his uh, his uh, post, though, was that he actually links it uh, with uh, labor, labor force replacement. Uh, so in other words, demographically, <clears throat> many, many countries, in fact, all countries that are economically developed um, are getting older um that we're not replacing the people with new generations of workers we've kind of got away with it with a reasonably high immigration rate over a period of time uh but if you think about it we've had uh, a negative kind of reaction in terms of right-wing politics rising in all of these countries which are often explicitly anti-immigrant so it's difficult uh, for countries to be able to adopt a explicitly pro-immigration platform and achieve political power in democratic countries. Um, and what else are you going to do? There's going to be a shortfall. You look at the people that are doing the work, travel, look at the, anyone's been on a plane in the last four weeks um, or this summer at all trying to travel. That is a, uh, a demographic crisis. <laughs> like the people we relied on to do, do that type of work typically were immigrants. Um, and they've been uh, either, you know, COVIDed out or draw, driven out in whatever way they've gone back home or gone to different countries. We can't find a replacement for those folks. There's not the native uh, population to do it. Um, and, and automation must be the only way. Um, and the more we automate, by the way, is actually the less overall recruiting we'll be doing as well. So, you know, we're going to be reaping what we sow pretty soon. Anyway, do check it out. We're going to do a Brain Food Live on this on the 30th of, of, of uh, September, by the way, where we're going to be talking where are all the workers gone. I've already got uh, Pavel uh, Adrian of Indeed come, coming join us. I think Sarah Ali of Radency might join us as well. Uh, so we've got a few people that are labor market economists that are going to come in and bring in their research to discuss this. So follow the channel on Crowdcast if you want to make sure you sign into that. Uh, if you are a little bit further thinking in terms of where all this is lying, that's where you need to uh, check out. Okay, give us another one, uh, Adam. So um, some of the people that are on here today may well have uh, hiring freezes. They might not be filling all the same jobs that they were, the, the number of jobs that they were a few uh, months ago. And um, of course, this relates to um, some of the very biggest companies Uh one of the things that we read in Brain Food was the truth from interviewing.io, the truth about Google and Facebook's hiring freezes and the TLDR sort of on that is uh, they're still hiring loads of engineers. So um, of 1,003 people that they uh, surveyed, 40, this is engineers, 44% were middle of interviewing with Amazon, 43%, so almost the same number, with Google and a still re really large 16% were interviewing with Facebook. I'm going to link that to another piece of brain food, which was the whether there's hiring freezes or not, whether your company's uh, restructuring or whatever it's doing, it's a really great time. As Bill Berman said at Wreckfest, it's a really great time to be pipelining talent and it's a really great time to be 
reviewing the way that you uh, go about doing certain things. So the article from first round about, which is about a subject I don't really spend a lot of time on, but assessment, interviewing, all that kind of thing, getting better creative, doing the whole thing better and redesigning that now, do it now while you might have a little bit more time. I'm conscious I'm saying that to a group of people who have probably got more wrecks than ever in the site here, but um, making data-backed decisions, enabling candidates to show you how they can do something rather than just tell you how they can do it. Um, and then things like better job descriptions, that type of thing. That was really great as well. I think, you know, the ability to do that is oftentimes, we just need to create better measurements for recruiters, you know, because a lot of those operational improvements, they're not necessarily mapped to to, to things that we're judged on. Uh, we're always judged on very basic and crude metrics, like how many people have you hired? Fundamentally, yeah, that's, that's basically, yeah, if you're a recruiter, I expect you to make 50 hires. If you have not made 50 hires, you're, you're out. Um, however, we need to say, you know what? No, the person's not hired 50, 50 hires, but he or she has done this in terms of their uh, the way in which they design job ads. Uh, they have increased the, uh, uh, the the diversity of candidates coming through the pipeline to this level. Uh, they've in, in, improved the uh, the candidate uh, experience in terms of the you know to this this level. All of those types of metrics need to be built into how we assess recruiters because I think that's part of the reason why a lot of these uh, you know real uh, systemic improvements that we all, I think, have the capability to do, but we never do do is because we're not measured on it. And of course, we're just going to lean towards stuff that, you know, of course, we're going to be measured against, you know, uh, oftentimes we're compensated on that basis. So you've made 52 highs as a bonus. You know, I mean, we, we need to start uh, really aligning um, KPIs to behaviors and compensation to KPIs. So um, uh, we need to get on with that. Uh, Ivan, uh, by the way, thank you very much for your advice on splitting uh, brain food into two. Oh, it's to part... shut up. No, no, no. It's part of the reason actually why I'm trying to experiment maybe with uh, sticking it through an event on LinkedIn because I'm I'm considering it basically. Because um, I do believe that we've got two different themes. We wanted to review the newsletter, but then we also don't want to get on with the topic as well. So it could be two different shows there that we do next year. Anyway, to be confirmed. Uh, all right, one more, Adam, before we get to Andy on. Uh, well, the other one would be, oh, yeah. <laughs> The, the top 10 the top 10 mistakes organizations make when they're looking to go become agile this is right from a guy who's wrote a, who writes a blog called like scrum party or something like that he's a scrum master i think and um i'm not going to go into all all 10 because i can't remember all 10 mistakes that people, companies make when they go to become agile but the first one is um setting a, a desire to go agile <laughs> um so like going agile is not a purpose like there's no going agile is not is not that's not an achievement um but the irony about this is the companies that go out there and actively communicate or actively communicate internally right we're going agile now and then everyone's like would you in 2022 you're going agile what the hell have you been doing for the last you know 15 years why are you so late to go agile so probably not a good look not a badge of honor to uh, go out and tell everybody that you're going agile 
No. And by the way, folks, this is really, really good blog post. I recommend you read. Totally relevant to anybody doing change management or doing measurements or doing anything. It is fundamentally, I think, again, uh, pro-agile in the sense there's lots of things we can learn from it. But it's a critique of people that have fetishized uh, agile uh, as just a solution to everything. Because if you go back to the Agile Manifesto, like basic sort of one pager that's published, that's still out there, by the way, just Agile Manifesto, Google that, it will say it's always over. It, the process should never be the dominant thing. It should always be conversations over process. It should always be outcomes rather than documentation. All of that stuff is in there, right? So the Agile Manifesto tells you exactly what it is. But what's occurred over time is that basically you get true movementarians, you know, people that know, think they know Agile more than anybody else. And they, you know, they're purists. And ultimately what Agile is at root and spirit is anti-purist. It's a pragmatic way of doing things. Um, so yeah, this blog post is fantastic. Uh, it tells you a little bit about that, but it also picks out those scenarios where you might encounter where you, 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 you seem as if you're ritualistically doing something and it'll give you one solution, give you one line to say, actually, if you do this, this is how it meant to be. Yeah, excellent. It'll help, yeah, operations get better. All right, listen, let's get Andy on ASAP. Before we do do that, um, what are your thoughts on LinkedIn, Adam? You're a heavy user. I'm a heavy user. What have you seen in terms of LinkedIn's sort of, uh, sort of uh, changes over the last 12 months that you think are relevant to talk about today? Well, you know, I, I spent quite a few years doing nothing but helping companies use LinkedIn effectively. And of course, I've not done that for quite a long time now. So, you know, Andy's knowledge on this is way ahead of mine. But the one thing that I've noticed, and I'm interested to find out from Andy if this is correct or not, is when you do it the way they want to do it, LinkedIn rewards you. So I put up a post yesterday on LinkedIn and I did it using one of their like celebrate let's celebrate something you know templates whatever and this post which was definitely no more in, in fact probably less interesting than anything else i've posted in the last week got a lot more interactions than anything else so oh so that's so one of the on. things i've noticed so the linkedin prompts the ones where they prompt you to say hey do this you obey the prompt and then it gives you some it gives you view, views i guess um i think, I think how interesting. this is yeah, I mean, I think this is something I've been noticing more and more during the year, which is if you use templates and things, like if you click on that like star icon when you go to create a LinkedIn post that says celebrate an occasion, and then you start putting stuff in there using that template, then it honestly, it sent this post to a lot more people. It, it might well do that. Well, let's bring Andy on. Let's 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 have a look, um, and uh, we'll see what he says. And uh, and yes, Chris, I think we know what we're talking about here. Um, quite an interesting story. Uh, it's going to go into Brain Food next uh, Sunday, um, but it might be worth talking about because that's actually a good example of viralizing a post. Um, but obviously, uh, the chap has uh, been pretty much pilloried for it um, as 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 an outcome. I don't know whether you've seen it, Adam, but. Uh, the crying CEO. Uh, I've seen a lot uh, like it. I've seen a lot like it, but I, I, I don't think I've seen the one. Is this a brand new one? Like this week? It, you'll see it on Sunday, but it's happened this week where this this guy basically fired a few people in his business, um, but then he wrote about a post, which I think is totally legit to do, but he, he took a picture of himself crying uh, and attached that as an image. 
Um, and, and that ended up annoying everyone because he thought, oh, wow, this guy's literally making it all to, about, about himself. And, and he got pilloried for it. And he's like, oh, crap. Uh, it's, it's actually really interesting to see. I thought he handled the respo response quite well. Look at his comments. He's like talking to people. Uh, but then people are hammering him for saying, look, actually, you've just been a narcissist. Um, and then other people are saying, ah, yeah, but he's actually got a massive viral post. So maybe that's what he's <laughs> what he's meant to do. So, you know, it's, it's quite an interesting one. Uh, Andy Foote, let's bring you straight into this. Um, what do you think about the crying CEO? Uh, what's your uh, overall uh, take on this uh, uh, example of uh, LinkedIn content? That's what we're talking about today. Hello, Hong. Thanks very much for having me on. Can you guys hear me? Outstanding. Hello, Adam. Hello, hello. Yeah, so um, I think he was he was uh, rightly so. He was pilloried uh, because the main problem I think that the majority of people had with that particular post was it was all about him, and it was it had nothing or very little to do with the people he had he had he had fired. So that that was the the main thing. But the second one was uh, I think lots of people are getting uh, kind of peed off with uh, uh, you know the the. Uh, the oversharing, uh, the the vulnerability, the um, a lot of it is like it seems to be attention seeking uh, for the wrong reasons, and you know that's the general swell is that, that there's so much personal content on LinkedIn these days that people are saying, what is is this? I mean, this is Facebook, right? This is this is no longer LinkedIn because LinkedIn used to be this professional networking site, and now I'm getting all of this uh, all of this noise uh, when I've been used to Signal. So uh, I think it's 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 all of that, and I see people also doing hybrid, right? They're thinking, yeah, you know what? I see all of this uh, personal stuff uh, doing really well, uh, engagement-wise. I'm going to do hybrid. I'm going to do the first bit about me and my life and what's been happening, and then I'm going to end with some kind of value uh, thing, some kind of businessy thing at the end. So you literally see that. You see that, and you start. You see a lot of people saying, "I don't normally do this, but I wouldn't normally share this, but." And it's just, come on. We know why you're doing it. Go ahead, Adam. So I, I, I saw. Uh, no, well, right. Okay. So no one knew. What, no one knew why I saw a, a LinkedIn post that I just thought was stupid. But now I understand it. Um, and the LinkedIn post that was stupid was, "This is the most vulnerable thing I'm ever going to do on LinkedIn." I for, I just forgot. I couldn't. I couldn't help it. I didn't do it. I forgot to tell my wife that I wanted a McDonald's, and she came back with a burger for herself and not me. Yeah. Right. So, so it's parody as well, but it's also, you know, it's also, uh, it's, it's fake, fake apologetic because they don't, they don't really, they're not really sorry. You know, it's, it's or, kind of an, an, an intro to this post is going to be personal, but it may also be business, but guess what? I'm allowed to be personal now. Let, 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 let's, uh, so it's Andy, we, I didn't introduce you because everyone knows you already. Um, uh, so you're the only guest that never gets introduced anymore. Um, <laughs> you're LinkedIn famous, mate. So there's no I'm fine. need I'm fine to introduce that. Andy Foot, the LinkedIn famous uh, AI. Um, but let's just still listen to a few things because it, we, we are talking about LinkedIn content. Uh, and ultimately, is there now a backlash against this full authenticity? I think that the first crime is is if you like, is it authentic? And I think there's a huge doubts about whether the authenticity of it because who takes a picture of themselves crying? Like if you're crying and you're emotional, the last thing you're gonna think about is picking up the phone. Um, you know, if you if you're really upset, I ain't picking a picture of that. So exactly. There's an authenticity challenge. 
Um, exactly. and, and secondly, at what point does vulnerability become overshare or at what point does it become narcissism? Right. Yeah. As you mentioned, Andy, it was 100%. like, is it, is it just like you, you can't get out of your own head to such an extent that you've decided this is vulnerability, but in fact, what you're really looking for is to perform in front of an audience. Um, and, and guess what? You've been rewarded because 7,000 people yeah. have commented and yeah. that's, yeah. that's, a, that's probably one of the few million impression posts, uh, that, yeah. that have occurred because it's been massively viral viralized yeah. so yeah you know, he's got the attention that's required but folks i'll be interested in your opinion is there too much overshare on linkedin yes no let me know in the comments um okay i don't think there's, so, i don't think i don't think there is personally too much you, you everybody should be themselves and this whole thing around um <clears throat> like oh this isn't facebook anymore this is this is becoming like facebook so what people are people you know you're only one person you're not one person in a suit and a different person in your shorts you're still the same person. I've got no problem with people being vulnerable, with people, you know, talking about themselves, talking about non-professional things. But that does sound quite narcissistic because he just made a bunch of people redundant and made it about himself. So that's that's the problem I've got with that. I mean, it's it's a it's a horrible. I think it's a toxic mix of virtual signaling and narcissism. There was a great example of this when, as 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 uh, as Hung said, you you you're you're not crying, and the first thing you do is, hey, let's let's this is going to be a great yeah. LinkedIn post. Let's do. It. Now there was a, a another great. I say great, but it's actually horrible example of virtual signaling and narcissism. There was a lady who was evidently walking on a street. And she um, saw this guy who was about to jump off a bridge and she swooped in and I, I don't know if she rescued him. She may, I, I don't recall. She may have said she did. And then what did she do? She takes a picture of his, of his crumpled form, right on the, on the pavement after presumably. And rightly so everyone said, what, WTF? I know Hong doesn't like me to swear. Um, what are you doing here? I mean, this is this is disgusting. Just just do that. Do that fantastic act of humanity, but don't share it. Don't make it all about you. And also, by the way, did this guy give permission? All right, his face wasn't shown, but did he? I mean, was he part of that? And so she had to explain herself. And then you know, she's a paralegal, and that's probably her, you know, her brand damaged uh, for life. So this there's is a point where you've got to decide as well, though. Have I, you post it and then you go, shit, this has all gone gangbusters. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. And then you hover over the delete and then go, actually, that's going to make it worse because a thousand people have screenshotted this. You know, but she did delete it. She did. There's got to be a point where you got to either back yourself or go damn it i shouldn't have done that delete actually actually she didn't delete it i think i think linkedin deleted it i think linkedin editor linkedin editorial team may have been asleep actually it may have happened when they they took the whole week off and everyone took the whole week off including anyone who was watching you know the feeds um so that you know that that maybe escaped and it went viral i don't know so I, th I think, well, generally speaking, it's interesting to observe from a sociological point of view because there is like a like a, a backlash against um, you know performative goodwill. It's it's it's, it's you're trying to basically. I mean, I think he didn't even um, Jesus Christ have a problem with this. You know, the 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 the, the overly prominent uh, adherent 
uh, on the on the street corner that's you know uh, uh, giving himself up to God and all this type of stuff. But he's clearly invisibility of everybody, and that's why he's not going up to uh, make it at the final pass. Um, so, um, so I think we, we, we inherently have a problem with this. Um, but isn't it also the case to draw it back to LinkedIn content feed that these people are responding to a set of rules that LinkedIn have themselves created that encourages this behavior? Um, like we're all, we all want our, our, our posts to, to go, uh, get as many eyeballs as possible. So fundamentally isn't LinkedIn at fault because it just, it's got some dumb engagement on there. If it gets engagement, that's fine. Um, people have found a way to do it back in the Oleg days. If you remember him before he was unfairly deplatformed, I might, I might add, um, like seriously, uh, you could, uh, I, I don't know why LinkedIn have got rid of him. <laughs> it's like, he was all right, but anyway, different issue. But, um, if LinkedIn is doing this, um, LinkedIn has the responsibility really, because they've got, they've, they've got to curate the the experience for everybody rather than, you know, lambasting people who are exploiting a system that is there to be exploited. See, see, I don't, I don't see it as rules. I don't think LinkedIn has deliberately uh, like created a rubric for this. I think what's happened is um, uh, that people have started doing it and then uh, quickly uh, realize other people watching this and thought, hold on a second. If Hung's, if Hung's, you know, posting about his vacation pics and he, he dove in and he rescued a child uh, and, and, you know, that got uh, freaking thousands of, uh, of, yay, well done, Hung, you're a, you're a lifesaver. Then everyone's going, oh, hold on a second. Let me plow back into, uh, you know, my memory and, and, and what, what I can bring to the table. And let me also similarly come across as a wonderful human being. And so it's, yeah, look. I get what Adam's saying about this is not all bad. I mean, sh sharing personal stuff is absolutely fine. This is what we do in the office, right? This is this is around the water cooler. Uh, this is the chit chat that is essential, right? To 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 make your your work life less miserable is having that human intervent uh, you know, interaction. Absolutely. Uh, you know, are there better ways to do it on on LinkedIn? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, have we found it yet, or have some people found it? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I express my personality and my character through my writing. Uh, but you'd be hard pressed to find anything about me personal. You know, I, I, I very rarely share anything personal, and that's just the way you know I'm hardwired. I just don't want to put it out there. But I also yeah, think I have a, I also think I have a good sense of you know who my who my audience is, and they want you know they want LinkedIn insights. They're not necessarily interested that you know my dad was in the army and he was in Belfast and etc. Uh, etc. Et and I've tested that. But, but you, 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 you're a special case, though, um, Andy, because you, your business is very much about looking into this, whereas right. all of those other characters that we're talking about, um, uh, like vast majority of humanity on LinkedIn, they have jobs to do. They do their own thing. But occasionally yep. they may you know, get a, a bunch of eyeballs come in their way. It's probably a good thing for what they're doing. So yep. they've got a slightly they've got a, they've got a different thing, whereas I think you've got a, a very specialist uh, view on it. Um, let's yep, look at things true. technically, Andy, leaving aside the ethics and the behavioral side of it. Um, uh, I think we, we always want to try and get you in to just update us as to what major changes have gone on. And I think since the last time you came on, there has actually been some significant changes to how LinkedIn have operated. So I wonder whether you just share, share us a, a few of those in case people don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. So the <laughs> Adam, pen at the ready. Yeah. So the biggie, uh, without, without a doubt, uh, was the introduction of the uh, what I call the notify me bell. Uh, are you guys familiar with this? 
right? So mm-hmm. this set, this kind of came out of the blue because um, there, there was no announcement. It just it just appeared. And uh, the lowdown on this thing is that if you are following someone, then you will see this little uh, bell icon, and it'll just be an outline, right? Um, sort of to the top right uh, under their banner, you'll see this bell. Now, if you click on it, it'll it'll turn gray, so the outline will fill, and that means that you are now going to be notified every time that author publishes. So you've got to be a follower. You'll see the bell. If you're not following, you won't see the bell. You click on that bell. In theory, you will you will get notified. Now, um, there's a there's a trust factor here because uh, people are complaining uh, vociferously that oh, I've clicked your bell and I never see your stuff. Okay, so what's that all about? Uh, number one. Number two, again, you know, believe but verify unless you have a subscriber list, right? You can't, you can't check. You can't see, right, who is following you, and you can't then go, hey, Hung, uh, did, you, did you get my, uh, you know, did you get notified because I see you're on my subscriber list for this bell thingy? Uh, so we can't do that. And that, you know, it behooves LinkedIn to give uh, creators, authors, that info. Because right now, if we're not getting notified and we click on this bell, then WTF, what, what is the point? Is it actually, is it working? And then that begs the question, well, you know, LinkedIn has long been known to be clunky. The the infrastructure, uh, some people have said, you know, it's it's all held together by, you know, packing tape. It's, 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 not, it's not that robust, not that sturdy. Perhaps one of the reasons they're not doing that, showing us the subscriber list, is that they're not that sure that everyone is indeed getting notified that could be that could be why or it could be just that they're like in data hoarding mode and say no you cannot have this info this we we have this info we may want to use this info in in certain ways or it could be a control issue we don't want you to become too powerful building up these mega subscriber lists and then maybe using that information to maybe take you know your 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 subscribers off of the rented land and elsewhere could also be that could be a combination of both. But why the question oh, I always ask about why this this bell suddenly appearing, which is amazing in concept, right? It's the ability to build a subscribe a subscribe a subscriber list with your short form content. That's fascinating. Why? So it could be maybe this is a maybe this is a defensive move. Maybe they're worried about legislators uh, coming after them and saying, "Listen, your platform allows too much." algorithm manipulation of the users therefore right if by linkedin doing this they say no 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 mr legislator we have subscriber options here it's not all algorithmic go ahead let let, let me intrude right now because adam's just come up with a brilliant idea where we can empirically test whether the notification bell actually works um because our good friend oleg has disappeared why don't we go and check oleg's profile now and click the damn bell oleg's bell and then Has if he... he starts reappearing on your feed, it revived him. He basically, that means that the bell works. I right? thought he was off. Wasn't he booted off? Does he, does he have a profile know. page he's, anymore? He's, he, I hope he's still there. I um, looked. I looked the other day. He's gone. My question know. is, Andy, you said about publishers. when So they get notified when, publisher, when, when a user publishes. Um, Short form content. When an Different, author publishes. Yeah. A post. Does that mean posts? Just posts. Yeah. Yeah, just post. Yeah, so so newsletters are a completely different animal, and they there there you do there there you do have a subscriber list, right? You've got your newsletter subscribers, and LinkedIn actually does identify those, but in this horrible fashion, it's just a long 
a long ass scrolling list. It's like, really, this is this is all you're going to give us. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a separate animal. But posts, notifications, uh, for for uh, the bell works right. for posts. So so Ross has gone. All right, folks, why don't you do this instead? Why don't you click on my notification? And if you start seeing stuff going on, then at least you will know that this happens. But I, I actually don't think it works. I mean, I've seen it. And I've clicked on a few bells, and I'm, I'm none the wiser. It doesn't seem to have changed the feed in any way. Um, so it might just be something they've just chucked out there on the front end, but it's not like plugged into anything. Um, right. So, but, okay. it's, but it's not—it's not your home feed, right? It's your notification feed. That's where you should see. Uh, Hung Lee has uh, published an, a post. That's where you should get the notifi notification right, from the bell. Right. 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 Okay. I get it. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's. What else has gone on apart from the bell? Okay. Um, and so it the bell. Yeah, the bell was big, and then uh, the the next thing most recently has been an announcement from Blake Barnes, who's a VP of product at, at LinkedIn. I think this was the last week or so. Um, this is splitting the fire hose. Of a fee of a feed that we have right now into four separate feeds, and the four feeds are top videos, newsletters, and events in that order. Now, uh, here's the here's the statement: We're testing a dedicated space for you to discover relevant content and voices from people and organizations you're not connected with, who you might not see or hear from otherwise. You can expect to see trending conversations from voices that align with your professional interests, news, and relevant events curated by our editorial team and a wealth of other knowledge designed to help you get ahead in your career. So very much emphasis on career uh, and, and and all of that good stuff, uh, professional interest. But note that this is um, from people that you wouldn't normally see. So, you know, what's top all about? Is top from people that you do want to see? Because this is the feed, right? We do expect to see a mix in terms of, peers people that we do want to see and discovery now if it's all discovery that's a different that's a different ball game altogether and what's interesting is people have been asking i've been asking uh, for separate tabs right uh, videos right why can't we just see videos if that's if that's our mood if that's what we want to plow through on that particular uh, day and time newsletters is an interesting one because again it's all is, is it going to be curated by LinkedIn editors well how how do you get into that particular stream i mean that's a that's that's a you know, is that is that something you might have to pay for? How do they choose? And of course, LinkedIn are mum about this. They don't tell us anything about that. Events, again, this would be great, especially for the new and shiny object, you know, LinkedIn audio events. That discovery has been missing from the outset of that beta. Uh, it was crucial to get bums on seats. So this is interesting. So this is this is a there's a test group that are playing with it right now. It's on mobile. Um, presumably they do that because it's just easier to program on mobile. They test it there uh, exhaustively, and then they'll uh, they'll put it on desktop. I think is is the is the mo. So I read a really interesting blog post that criticised uh, Facebook um, from moving off the, the social graph um, by doing exactly this by injecting interest. And this is the TikTokification of social networks, right? It's like okay, instead of showing you stuff your friends or your connections have surfaced up. We're just going to show you the overall trend on platform because then you're going to get to the cool stuff. It sounds very much like LinkedIn is doing that as well. So your connections become less important to your feed. But again, the platform is going to try. We're going to have to trust the platform to, to deliver us what we want to see. That's very, very interesting. So it makes it more important for people to just follow people 
um, that they are interested to know about. So connect with them, obviously. Um, follow them. On, there's a follow button on, on LinkedIn. Yeah, subscribe to what they do. There's a, there's a follow or connect type, type of option. Um, yeah. And then there's the notifications. So there's lots of ways in which you can sort of track people. Um, but speaking of which, we should do that right now, folks, because during every single Brain Food Live on air, we always have a mini break in order to exactly do this, to try and boost everyone's networks, uh, because we're all interested in the topic. Uh, Brain Food Live is a conversation starter. It should never be a bottleneck or a conversation stopper, but we have to come off air at some point. So now is the time to take a moment, get your LinkedIn profile and share it in the chat stream or the LinkedIn thread or the Facebook thread or the Twitter, wherever you are. Uh, just stick your LinkedIn profile in there and then connect with everyone who also does the same. There's like 100 people watching here, maybe 50-odd people on LinkedIn, maybe a 50 more on, on whatever. Share it all there. Connect with everybody. We're going to walk away from this with at least 50 to 100 people that also care about LinkedIn content. Uh, talk to those folks after the show. Make sure you're well-connected with them. Um, okay. Um, so, yeah. Andy, that's a really interesting revelation about the splitting of the feed into yeah. four. That's, yes. that's really, really interesting. And, and, and just before I go on to the next things that have changed, um, campanology, as, uh, as as Adam says, yeah, it, it, the surefire way to make sure that you are uh, continually uh, seeing someone's content is uh, A, certainly to follow, and then you get the bell, click on that, you know, see what happens, see if that works for you. But better than that, or moreover, uh, what you should do is you should get in the habit of visiting, let's say, Adam's profile on a regular basis, checking his activity section, uh, and then not just uh, consuming that in silence, but actually engaging uh, with with him or others. In fact, in 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 the you know the discussion thread, that's uh, the strongest signal that you can send to LinkedIn is the engagement uh, piece. Uh, but do it yourself. Don't don't you know? Don't expect LinkedIn to feed you this stuff by clicking on these things. You must go and seek it out. Um, the next um, the next few things that have changed since last we spoke, Hung. Uh, again, very recently, uh, the bell I think was I don't know early this year. I forget maybe. Uh, end of last the the new things brand new things are carousels uh have you guys heard of carousels you may have heard of carousels but linkedin is talking about a different version of carousels so carousels are a new content format they mix images with video they are swipeable so you can go back and forth as long as you're as long as you want. Uh, and LinkedIn says we've added these because LinkedIn has seen 20% increase year on year of users adding visual content to their posts. So uh, this is this is exciting because uh, it's kind of it, it could be like, a, you know, a rebirth of stories. Uh, I'm not quite sure how long, you know, these videos can be, but it's it's essentially LinkedIn thinking, yeah, yeah, visual, let's do visual. Uh, and let's, you know, let's throw ev everything in there, let users be creative. Uh, if they want static images, great, but videos, they want to share snippets. Uh, then let's let's also give them that. So that'll be cool, and that's coming. It's rolling out. And uh, within those carousels, you can actually add a clickable link. Uh, so this is, I think, to counter the uh, the popular opinion on LinkedIn that you know whenever you add a link on a post, it kills the reach. 
And uh, this is, I think, LinkedIn's response to that. And I say, yeah, nah, we don't think that happens. Uh, but guess what? You don't believe us. So we're going to double down. We're going to give you shareable links and you can shove them on a post. You can shove them on, on videos and you can certainly shove them in these, uh, these mini story type carousel affairs. Uh, so that's coming. Go ahead. That's very interesting. Um, and, and again, I think that's it does remind me a little bit of the stories vibe, isn't it? So they want to get away from just text because LinkedIn is very text heavy. Um, and then they want to put video in. It's debatable whether it's the right or wrong thing. Sometimes people like text. We've seen like Reddit, for instance, they're super successful being very text and sticking to it. Uh, so it remains to be seen whether people will embrace video. Although I think it will because... Lots of people might be interested in the work that people are doing. You know, I can imagine a scenario where, let's say, you, you, you're doing a job. Yeah, why would you not take a sh shoot a quick video and talk, tell people about your work? Um, I, I think that could be a thing, uh, an employer branding angle, or just a, an authenticity thing that may, might be very interesting. Behind the scenes. So, yep, behind, behind the scenes. The scene. Yep, uh, people love that stuff. Um, and the final thing is uh, something uh, called template posts. So I think this is really targeting folks who are maybe stuck on uh, just text um, or perhaps uh, maybe it's targeting newbies, get them get them off uh, you know, to a roaring start. And uh, LinkedIn are giving these uh, templates, uh, so numerous customizable backgrounds and fonts. Uh, of course, you, know, you can uh, use the clickable link too. And so they're ready-to-go content. Uh, posts that people can utilize. So when you go into post, uh, you'll see an option at the bottom which says, uh, I, I believe, something like uh, template. Uh, and then you click on that and then you you know, you know can go to town. So perhaps targeting people, as I said, newbies, but perhaps people who don't have Canva, haven't discovered that, and they make it really easy to, again, put that visual element in there. So LinkedIn's strong message here is saying, look, visual, visual, please. Uh, highly engaging, we think. So uh, here, are some, here are some tools to help you do that. And then post more because we still get that encouragement to uh, to post more, right? I mean, uh, so yeah. they want greater activity. Uh, Adam, you yeah. about to say something? Yeah. Can I ask about something that I, I don't know whether I've been under a rock or whether I've only just noticed this, but I, I've only I've only just in the last few weeks noticed that you can add a video to your profile image. Is that yeah. an old thing or is that something that is new as well? Yeah, hung shaking his head. Yeah, I think Adam did admit he said, I haven't been on LinkedIn for years. <laughs> Adam's failure to pay attention to uh to, to, to uh, a, a post I made about this. Um, uh oh, because, yeah. even worse, even worse. But Adam's an entrepreneur, he's he's quite busy, thank you very much. Without uh I'm, without... I'm, pr I'm pretty I'm pretty certain very few people have actually done this, actually. Uh, I think that's I think that yeah. Uh, so yeah. I call it the head. I I call it headshot video. I think LinkedIn calls it yeah. something else, which is inscrutable and doesn't mean anything at all. So it's the headshot video, and yeah, you can uh, on mobile. Uh, obviously, that's where your your video is, and make it easy. And so yeah, you can uh, you can drop. You can add a. I think it's twenty seconds. It might be fifteen. I don't know. Long time since I did it, and um, predictably, people are using it to sell. Uh, which I find uh, you know is is really boring. So I'm doing I, I do something completely different. I just use uh, iClips on on my phone and I use a uh, an avatar and I use my favorite song. Um, and then I also identified the song at the bottom right. But yeah, it's a, it's it's another thing. If people are doing that deeper dive on your on you on your profile page, uh, then it's yeah it's another way to uh, again show your personality, which I think makes it a very useful tool for job seekers. 
Um, so if you're actually on the market and looking for work, using that little feature, <laughs> I mean, I think that just helps like move you. Yeah, it brings you closer to the person making the decision, right? So, uh, so yeah, um, give it a shot. Absolutely. For you're looking for work. When, how yeah. long is that? How long? So I've only just noticed it in the last couple of weeks. How long? How long has this been available? Years. Yeah, one year. Maybe. I wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's at least twelve months, if not a, a wee bit longer. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't uh, kick yourself about oh. not noticing that. I've just. I've just never really seen anybody doing it until recently. Uh, yeah. I saw two. I saw two in the last couple of weeks, and that's why I thought, hang on. I've yeah. Never seen that yeah. before. And instead of you know in, what what LinkedIn does there again, which is totally useless, is uh, they give a a view count of that. So all right, so someone's seen this eight hundred times. I don't care. Give me actionable data, right? If Hung has been watching it 500 times, then that's useful, right? But yeah, show me, yeah. show me, show me who. Not, it's like when LinkedIn used to, I think they stopped doing this. They used to say, someone has viewed your profile. Yeah, that was pointless. What? I, what? I do, I do, I firmly believe in taking advantage of every opportunity you are given to convey a message in every format. So, yep. you know, that's something that, I've never, you know, only just noticed it. I'm gonna yeah. do. I'll do one maybe this weekend. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that the best way to, uh, you know, is portray your personality and to, uh, you know, to to tell people more or less everything they need to know about you in as short a time as possible is yeah. a video or even yeah. better, live audio. That's why people love live audio. It's cutting through the BS. It's finding my people. It's understanding, you know, how someone thinks, how well they're able to think, et cetera, et cetera. That's why people love LinkedIn audio. Um, oh, by the way, uh, just as a, as a quick one to the audience, if LinkedIn does have a new feature out there, I'm, I'm like pro using it immediately because it'll at least teach you a little bit about how the platform is working. So, so sometimes you can overthink about or oh, the value or whatever, but give it like just learn what the hell this is. Um, and as recruiters, I think most of us are recruiters. We are so using LinkedIn, like we are the most committed users of LinkedIn uh, of this platform than any other type of individual. So if we are that like embed with it, we, we might as well get intimate is what I'm saying. Um, uh, you know, you need to just investigate every single option, every single thing. As soon as it comes out, give it a shot. Um, Andy, a quick question for you specifically, actually. Oh, by the way, if anybody's got any questions for Andy, please use the ask question function at the bottom of the screen if you're on Crowdcast. If you're on LinkedIn or you're anywhere else, put it in a comment and I'll try and get to it. But one question I wanted to ask you specifically, Andy, was you introduced me to this idea that you could do, um, uh, you could draft and save LinkedIn posts um now i saw that um and then it disappeared as that is that the experience everyone's got where it, it appeared and then they rolled it back or have you still got this uh, ability to save unfinished posts interesting so i haven't checked to see if i have it um because oh. i guess i'm just I, I guess i'm just one and done and i just you know i, I did it and I, I didn't have to come back so i'll need to test that uh but yeah very very good uh you know improvement uh, from LinkedIn's perspective, because this is what happens. We do, you know, we do tend to maybe new uh, move on to a new tab, and we really, really hope, especially if it's been a you know a lengthy uh, post that we put together, and we haven't got a local copy, then for LinkedIn to automatically save this for us um, is 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 really well not automatically. I think it it, it says, oh, you, you 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 know you're going away or you've gone away. Do you want to save? 
And so we, we, we do have that. And then people got excited and say, oh, does this mean that scheduling is around the corner? Because it is only one for one post, right? You can't have multiple drafts. Mm. Uh, so perhaps, you know, that that is coming. I don't know. But it, it is a good example of LinkedIn, perhaps listening to, uh, you know, what users want and their frustrations. But when yeah, you thanks. when you when, when your tab um, like does something strange and your browser acts up, then it's gone for good. So it's not that smart mm. that it automatically saves as you go. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I've had many a painful experience with LinkedIn, particularly on newsletters, actually, which for my, my newsletters are quite long, where it's just like, it's just bugged out and you've lost everything. You think, me too. Wow. Me too. That's oh, it's, it's, it's so frustrating. Um, and guess what? Then you have to remember what you said and you know it's never going to be as good as that. It's never going to be as good. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most torturous thing. I mean, LinkedIn needs to fix their publisher there. Um, okay, so we've covered a huge amount of things, Andy. What other things mm. have occurred over the last 12 months that are worth talking about, but the LinkedIn content feed itself um, that we need to, to be aware of? Yeah, so I touched on it, but um, without a doubt, you know, LinkedIn's version of Clubhouse um is 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 now out of the the beta so everyone uh, if they have creator mode uh will have access to uh, linkedin audio and um it's as i said it's a great way to express yourself and to build your brand uh what i what i neglected to mention is that i think the, the other main reason that people love doing audio is that there's no makeup required uh there's no you know there's no oh worrying about how i look it's it's purely uh ease of jumping on being heard participating uh, and if you've got a great host then you know they will bring you up they will bring you up maybe you know somewhat reluctantly and then once you're up there it's like oh I'm, I'm i'm feeling quite comfortable with this i'll do more of it so it's it's a fascinating thing uh clubhouse on the other hand i think is you know if you go into google trends and you look at clubhouse you see that it peaked um about four four or five months ago and they i think they're struggling they just announced by the way they're doing houses now not clubs but houses it's like well people are saying well what's the difference <laughs> So it's it's pretty confusing, and uh, that perhaps they're struggling. I don't know. They probably have uh, uh, a shitload of money, and uh, I guess it is what it is. How do we access LinkedIn for the people that really don't know what they're doing? How do we access LinkedIn Audio? <laughs> LinkedIn Audio. So uh, it should be creator mode. If you if you go to your profile, uh, you should see an option on your profile page to click on creator mode. Right to switch on creator mode, and once you do that, it, it should give you access to LinkedIn Audio. I think I'm right in saying that, right? I don't think it just, yeah, I think that's how you do it. Yeah, but that's where? How, that's how you access it. If you create um, an so, event, you got to create an event, and then it'll give you. Is it an audio event? Oh, well, audio event. Yeah, got it. Okay. Only if, you, but only if you have creator mode switched on. Yeah, no, I right? do. I just never had. I'd never seen. I have got creator yeah. mode switched on. I've just well, never seen that audio event option. Yeah. Oh, so it, thanks, good. Hung. Yeah. So it's underneath that LinkedIn audio event. Um, but um, what else? I was going to say something else. No, I think that's it. No, I will drop it. those links. I will drop two links. Let's do the questions real quick. I want to just jump into some of these. Um, so, okay, Ivan Harrison, why aren't you aligned with their views on future talent? Uh, I think I was aligned. I might have misspoken or you might have misheard, uh, Ivan. Uh, next question. Um, um, Maria said, I never thought undersharing, uh, thought of undersharing, but that makes absolute sense. That's why I'm here today. Any advice? Uh, so Maria wants to share a bit more. Um, so what advice would we have for Maria? 
So from the, the you know, the habitual, the habitual non-sharer, uh, look, look I, I think there's different degrees of sharing, aren't there? You can share your voice, your personality in the language that you use, whether or not you uh, are comfortable using pictures of your family, you know, your, your kids, your dog, your vacation pics, etc. That's entirely on you. I think some people will undoubtedly be interested in that because they want to live, you know, their life via proxy um, or they're just nosy AF and they, you know, uh, or maybe it, maybe they, it gives them, Oh, I went there on vacation, uh, you know, last year. And then that's an option to, you know, to, it's, it's basic water cooler stuff. It's, it's finding commonality. It's finding ways to spark, uh, you know, new conversations with new people. But guess what? You're no longer new because now that you've shared that, right, people are somewhat familiar with you. So that's, that's another element of why all of this is, is working. Uh, but as, you know, as Hunk said, I'm, 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 I'm different. I, 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 I teach LinkedIn. So in theory, anyone on LinkedIn is uh, presumably interested in what I have to say. All right. Um, Adam, you got any advice for Maria on that just to get started on posting stuff, like to get over that mentality of, uh, of not sharing like by default? Yeah, there's two, two things, really. The first is um, experiment with different formats of posting stuff because you'll find that you either enjoy writing and you're good at writing or you're better on video or you're better at a different, different thing. Um, and so try different things, see what you enjoy doing and at the same time, see what generates the best response and then keep doing what works and don't do what doesn't work. Yep. That makes perfect sense. Maria, I'm going to, uh, Adam, you got to go, you got to go. Um, Maria, I'm going to just add a, a final thing from my side, which I think does unlock it a little bit. Um, but my attitude is always like, don't overthink the thing. Um, so in other words, you don't have to just like write anything that's genius. Um, oftentimes if you are sharing what I call operational content, you know, the stuff that you're working on right now, just talk openly about that. Maybe you've got an idea that's not fully, you're not fully committed to, but you're interested in other people's opinions. That is a bit of content. Open that out as a conversation and then see whether people can contribute before you know it. That may be the habitual way in which you start doing stuff. It's, it's, it's oftentimes how I get guests for Brain Food Life um, where I'm saying, oh, this is an interesting topic. Let's talk about this. And then people contribute and start talking. And then from there, you find, oh, this person's actually got an interesting angle to this topic. Um, let's uh, let's get let's uh, get them in. So be open with your your journey. I guess is that uh, uh, question. I've actually failed to answer that question probably. Okay. Um, and Maury saying, if you connect on LinkedIn, don't you automatically follow? I think you do, but you can follow and not connect. Um, and we know that for a fact because many people have many more followers than it is possible to connect. Because um, if you look at Bill Gates or something, he's got like a million plus followers. You can't have a million connections. Um, so it's a different type of thing and it's worth uh, exploring. Um, okay, Andy, um, I think we're going to come to the end of the show. Uh, one final like, like takeaway thing from your side, apart from everyone like, needing to follow Andy Foot right, right away. Um, just for LinkedIn insights, please do follow Andy, by the way. He's a guy I follow and look to for LinkedIn good stuff. Um, what kind of um, advice would you give to someone who wants to get higher visibility on LinkedIn, knowing what you know now, knowing what, what's down the pipe and uh, where the direction of travel that LinkedIn is going right now? Yeah, I've said it before, and I'm going to stick with the advice, is that um, if you are – I think this goes for a, a – at, at anything you do in life, frankly, uh, before you jump in and you just start doing it, and there's you know there's certainly value in doing that and figuring it out. 
Uh, I think it'll be a, a quicker and less painful process uh, before just jumping in and doing it. If you were to uh, observe and be, uh, you know, a keen student of people who are doing a LinkedIn differently and also b doing LinkedIn well. Uh, because you can see if they're doing well. You can see their engagement that they're getting, as an example, if you're looking at posts. Uh, and, and so you, you, you've got that feedback right there and then. Uh, and then you know, use that information in a way that works for you and, and your brand or you know, to suit your objectives. Whatever it is you're trying to achieve via LinkedIn, is, uh, the, the, the process should be observe, learn, and then implement in a way that works for you. So if, if someone is uh, in your space, in your, in your sphere, and uh, they're doing something particularly well, define well, uh, just try and borrow uh, from that playbook. And uh, I think that's, that's the main piece of advice. And the other thing that, you know, Hung, Hung mentioned it, I'll say it again, is that do try all of the things that LinkedIn gives you all of the different tools because the, it's you know it's an ever-changing uh, feast of things to try and you may well be you know better at video than you are at writing uh, you may you may um, in I guess a few months time you know find yourself as a host of LinkedIn audio and so you become this uh, this moderator uh, of let's say uh, you know a changing array of experts so your imagination really is uh, is the thing to uh, is the thing to leverage, but using all of the available tools in a way that works uh, best for you and you know your talents uh, and um, opportunities. Yeah, make use of it. Like, don't be pleased. Uh, is one thing. I've just checked the polls as well, just at the bottom there. Uh, you know why people post on LinkedIn. Uh, promote a, a vacancies was the number one thing to do. And I'm thinking, yes, that's what recruiters do do, but it is kind of boring and it doesn't really work. Uh, my attitude or my advice is to start conversations. So forget about thinking co about content as something you push at people. Um, rather more think of them as just conversations you have with people. Um, if you just switch your mindset there and start having dialogue instead of like consume this, uh, then a, a lot of the pressure in terms of producing stuff goes away because you're just having conversations. And if you're a recruiter, you should know how to have that. Um, okay, um, that's it. Um, Andy Foote, thank you so much for joining us um, on the show. Wonderful to have you uh, here. Uh, obviously, we'd love to get you back before the end of the year. We have to do that. We're going to do it every quarter, won't we, this year? We didn't do it. But uh, we'll try and get you back if you're up for it before uh, the end of the year and we'll get another update. But um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for, for joining us as well. I'm going to try and write this up and send it uh, to the people that have requested it. So I'm going to try and write uh, some more show notes on this and get it out to you guys. So um, thank you for joining us. Um, and, and, yeah, follow the channel if you're interested in more conversational content like this. Ah, that was really good, I thought. Um, okay, um, the end of the show. Oh, shit, next week. Um, bear in mind, next week, we are back on Friday, as we always are. We're going to be talking about how to initiate culture change in your TA team. So imagine you have inherited a team that needs cultural change, cultural shift, behavioral shift. How do you do that? We've got a lot of experienced TA leaders that are going to come in and talk to us about the leadership lessons that they've brought to play in order to do this. So if you want to watch this, best thing you can do is follow the channel. Um, you'll be notified. 
You can follow my LinkedIn as we talked about today because I do broadcast on that. Not sure whether I'm going to keep you on the company page. Might do it on personal um, next time. Um, and, and you can register on the show itself if you go to the Crowdcast homepage. Um, okay, that's about it. Hope uh, you've enjoyed it. Thanks for watching.